Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Good News According to Job. And uh, this week we are diving into Job's response in Job 19. And we're going to take a, a glance at that and just see uh, how Job responds uh, to what's been said. Um, if you recall last week, Bildad, his response was quite harsh. He, his words were, were quite sharp um, as he challenged uh, Job, as he uh, in many ways uh, actually just called him out as a wicked uh, or an evil man. And so this week we're going to see the type of response that we get from Job uh, in light of that, as well as obviously in light of all the other friends. Um, and the passage isn't too long this week, so we're going to read through it. And uh, hopefully you've read it once already, but uh, as we read through it, try and pick up some of the things, the ideas, the themes that Job is using. Uh, but let's take a look and see what it says. Uh, Job 19, verse 1. Then Job replied, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly you attack me. If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my ways so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am done, uh, till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my fa uh, female servants count me a foreigner, and they look on me as on a stranger. I summon my servants, but he does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I'm loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bone. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another how my heart yearns within me. If you say how, how we will hound him since the root of the trouble lies in him, you should fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. 
And so this is Job 19. <laughs> There's a lot happening in this passage. But hopefully you'll get a bit of an idea of what's taking place uh, and how it flows. There's a little bit of a structure to it. And hopefully we can unpack that uh, further as we dig into it. Uh, some things that we need to pick up on is obviously uh, the way in which Job does begin this. Uh, let's just turn to that. It says, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? And so this is seems to be a bit of a pattern that Job uses when he addresses his friends. Uh, and his friends do a very similar kind of thing. So he is getting tired. He's He's frustrated. His friends keep coming to coming to him with the same complaints, the same arguments, and Job is getting frustrated. Likewise, his friends are also. They are frustrated because they feel he's not listening and not heeding their advice. But something interesting, just for our own uh, curiosity and to get us thinking a little bit further, is what it says in verse 3. Ten times now you have reproached me, shamelessly you attack me. And what's interesting about this is if you go and read how many times the friends have spoken, it adds up to five times. So perhaps Job is not necessarily implying the five discourses that have taken place between the friends, but it is possible that what he is implying is maybe certain aspects that they have uh, challenged him with, uh, certain things that he's picked up on. Uh, but what I would suggest is a more likely argument is that, in actual fact, we're only getting half of what the friends are saying, which begs to begs the question, well, what, what else are they saying that we don't even know about? Um, and so it's perhaps just the way the author has constructed this and recorded it for us that it is... Uh, the friends have said plenty, um, and we can tell by just reading how much we have read so far. But the friends have said plenty. They have said a lot of things. They have reproached Job in many ways. And uh, as Job says, they shamelessly, uh, shamelessly, you attack me, he says to the friends. And then he, he makes a few more statements in verse 4. He says, uh, if it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern. So he begins by saying, well, if I am at fault, that's that's my problem and I need to deal with that with God. And then he goes on and says in verse 5, if indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, uh, then he says, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. So he is saying to his friends, oh, Consider this for a moment. If because of my brokenness, if because of what has happened to me, gives you grounds to be exalted above me and to speak down to me, you need to then really weigh up, where does God sit in this equation? Because Job is recognizing that all things come from God. And that that, that statement there might leave you feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But what Job is realizing and wrestling with is he is saying, well, what are you guys going to do with the fact when you realize that where this is coming from is something that is permitted by God. You, you're so concerned about my sin that you're failing to consider, but where is it coming from? So you, you're saying uh, that if I have sinned, that this is my punishment that God has given me. But I'm saying that I've dealt with my sin before God, and you need to not you know you guys need to be careful that you don't make yourselves better than me because of 
my humiliation, because of my sin. Because otherwise you guys are going to enter into dangerous territory. And Job is going to pick up on this at the end of this section, at the end of Job 19, where he says it far more blatantly. Um, but he says this in light of where it is coming from. And he is saying, if uh, you are using this, remember who has permitted this. Who has permitted my suffering? Who has permitted my hardship? And so be careful that you don't, in exalting yourselves, sin. That you making yourselves to think th or thinking that you're better than me actually begin to sin. Because then the very punishment that you are saying, I have... I have got because of my sin is going to fall on you. And you're going to see how Job is going to come back to that and actually say that at the end. But then what Job does is he turns. Remember, the, other, the friends don't seem to really draw your attention to God. But it's interesting here because Job turns in the next couple of verses from 7 to 13. He turns to consider what God has done. He, he uses the language uh, as he says, uh, he has blocked, he has stripped, he tears me down, his anger, his troops, he has. So there's this language that unfolds in verse 7 to 13 where he's describing, uh, coming out of what he has said in verse 6, describing the way in which God has afflicted him. God has uh, his target. He's made a target of Job. As Job uses that language earlier on in Job, he says, God, why have you made me your target? And here he's kind of describing how it looks that God has made Job uh, his target. So just picking up on some of these, these things that Job is saying. Notice there in verse 7 it says, Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way, so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. And so right up front, in, or at least in this section, you, you feel this picture that Job is painting. And maybe the first picture that comes to your mind, or at least it comes to my mind when I read this, is really a picture of war. It's, it's a picture of the enemy surrounding uh, the, or the army surrounding the enemy. And here this image is, is painted. He has blocked my way. There's no way out. There's no way he can run. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He, he can't see where he can go from here. Uh, he has stripped me of my honor. Uh, by being surrounded by the enemy, you, you lose honor. You lose dignity. Uh, he has removed my crown from my head. It's, it's a takeover. Uh, it is, he, he has... He tears me down on every side till I am gone. You feel that surrounding, that encroaching aspect. He uproots my hope like a tree. Uh, his anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. And then really you get the feeling in verse 12, his troops advance in force. So you really feel this, this pushing in uh, that Job is describing. But remember, don't not to not to lose sight of the context in which he is saying this. Job is saying this in light of 
of what he has said to the friends. He says, if you are going to exalt yourselves against me and use my humiliation against me, he then says, then know that God has wronged me. Now, we wouldn't necessarily want to use those words wronged. Uh, it might feel a bit harsh. But he is saying, it is God that has permitted all of these things. His encrouching around me. And so he is asking them the question. Well, he's, he's putting it forward to them, saying, be careful that pride doesn't get the better of you. Otherwise, you're going to face this that I am currently facing where God has set his targets on me, if that is your framework of thinking. Because up until this point, this is how the friends think. They reason in this way. They think in this way. And so what Job is saying is, you have told me the whole way that this is how you've been thinking, that uh, if you do something wrong, this is what's going to happen. God will, uh, God will judge you. God will, he will show you his wrath, his anger. And in doing so, he is now saying, if, you, if this is what you think is God attacking me, God uh, doing something against me because I've wronged, then what do you think he's going to do to you if your pride gets the better of you? Um, and so there's this bit of tension because we know, though, that God has not permitted this because Job has done anything wrong. And so it's not necessarily the case that God will afflict his friends uh, because of their pride. But it's interesting because it gets these questions um, running through your head. And by the end of Job, it's going to be interesting to see how God deals with these friends and how God's response to the friends comes out in light of all of these little things that Job is engaging with. Um, the question is, are they going to get what they deserve after having accused and challenged and hurt Job in so many ways? What's further interesting about this passage is verse 14 to 20. You get the picture, the unfolding uh, picture of the alienation, the estrangement to family and friends. It actually starts in verse 13 is what God did or what God permitted. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. This is the, the kind of language that uh, that you pick up on. As, as he goes into the next piece. This sets us up for the next piece. And then he says in verse 14, My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants count me a, a foreigner. They look on me as on a stranger. I summon my servant, but he does not answer. Though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. And so this is the picture that we are painted by Job as he, he delves deeper into the personal implications of what uh, he is facing. That as his friends are raising themselves, exalting themselves above uh, Job's humiliated state. He paints what that humiliated state looks like, saying that nobody wants to be around him. Everybody has abandoned him. His own wife, uh, as he says there in verse 17, my breath is offensive to my own wife. I mean, he, he's got nowhere to turn. Nobody is there. Nobody wants to be there. Uh, his very existence becomes offensive to those around him.
And so as you look at this in Job 19, he paints the state of humiliation. Uh, if that's not enough, the very uh, next verse there after the wife, after he mentions his wife, is verse 18 when he says, Even the little boys scorn me. Uh, when I appear, they ridicule me. And so it's this picture of you know, walking down the street and little children in their mean little, you know, mean little giggle that they can get uh, as they look at someone and they, they see something strange or unpleasant and they laugh. And so this is kind of that, that little, uh, even, even the smallest of uh, people, the children, uh, find something amusing about him. They, they find him funny uh, and not in a good sense. Uh, and so they snicker, they laugh, they giggle at his humiliation. Uh, and so it's such a sad state that he's in. And in, in so many ways, he's not just painting this for his own sake, he, for, for where he's at, but he's painting this picture for his friends as a level of a challenge. He, he almost begins to warn them to really think about their own position now in light of his position. And so here you get this this weight of of Job's uh, estrangement, uh, which is really sad and humiliating. You can see the the humiliating aspects in it, uh, even the fact that in verse nineteen he says, "All my intimate friends detest me; those I love have turned against me. The people nearest and dearest to him, the people he loves most, have turned away from him." And finally, he says, I am nothing but skin and bones. I've escaped only by the skin of my teeth. He says, there's nothing left of me. I, I am I'm skin and bone. I have nothing left on me. And so that's the, the weight of uh, the estrangement that flows out of how he has constructed his argument against the friends, saying that this is how God has afflicted me. Um, and that's all in the backdrop of the friends actually um, exalting themselves and Job challenging them to think a little bit deeper about what they're saying and what they're doing. Uh, and so we turn to verse 21 to 24, uh, just to pick up on the rest of the, this uh, chapter. He says then 21, Have pity on me, my friends, have pity for the hand of God has struck me. So if you are maybe questioning whether this section really is about God when he mentions he, you pick up now, he, he makes it abundantly clear. He says, have pity on me, my friends. Have pity for the hand of God has struck me. Uh, verse 22, he says, why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? And so in one sense, you might feel uncomfortable with this. But if you, perhaps a better way of thinking about it is if anybody had the right to pursue Job and to, uh, to, to yeah, as he says, uh, pursue or to devour his flesh as he paints that picture. If there was anyone that had right to do it, it is God. It is only God that has that true right to do that. Um, and we might see it as a terrible thing, as a horrible thing, because that doesn't seem right, that doesn't seem fair. But when it comes to God, if there had to be someone that would do it, God would be the only one that would truly be allowed to. He is allowed to, as we are his created beings. He has created us, he has made us, and what he does with us is his decision. Now, that doesn't make us feel comfortable. That leaves us thinking, yeah, but... Does that mean that God 
does all of these things? No, it's not to say that God does. Um, and that's not the case with Job, because we know that outright it's not God himself that's afflicting Job, but he has permitted uh, Satan to do it, to, to afflict Job. So we see that affliction doesn't come directly from God, but it is permitted by God. And so this is important to just get our heads around. And then he turns to the friends and he says, if God is the actual one that is truly allowed to do this, uh, there, there begins to be a tension in what he asks. Because he asks there, will you never get enough of my flesh? Who are these friends that they continue to pursue Job? That they continue to to want to devour his flesh and then he carries on uh, and this seems a little bit more reflective in verse 23 and 24 oh that my words were recorded that they were written on a scroll that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever um, and i like that statement it, it kind of just makes me think well was job actually talking about the book of job there was he thinking well i really wish that my story would be recorded. Uh, it is a unique story. It is completely different to any other. And this is halfway through Job. He's making that kind of uh, statement. And it's it's cool because we get to look at it today and say, wow, this is a really unique story. Uh, absolutely crazy. Absolutely almost unreal. Uh, and here we have it today for our uh, yeah, for us to read, to learn from, to grow and understand uh, what true wisdom is and who God is. Then we turn to verses 25 to 27. And uh, I actually want to come back to this as the concluding thought. Uh, this is actually such a rich and beautiful text that I think to end on that note would be the best option. So we're going to just jump quickly to verse 28 and 29, and we see how Job makes it clear what he's saying to the friends here. He says in verse 28 and 29, If you say, talking to the friends, how will we hound him since the root, uh, since the root of the trouble lies in him? You should fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword. And then you will know that there is judgment. So what Job is challenging his friends with here is he's saying, you say to yourselves, <clears throat> how will we hound him since the root of the trouble lies in him? You're so focused on and consumed by this idea that I have done something. There is sin in me and, you, and you're hounding at it. You're, you're hounding me trying to find the sin in my life. And in saying that, we need to remember what Job said in the beginning. Be careful that you don't exalt yourselves by using my humiliation. Exalting yourselves in my humiliation. And he warns them in the beginning. And here he is saying, uh, which is quite unique and interesting, he says in verse 29, you should fear the sword yourselves. And the reason being is, he is looking at the friends and he's saying, you're, you're proclaiming one thing. You're proclaiming that I've sinned. And because of my sin, God, or I am afflicted. I am suffering at the hand of God and I am estranged. But be careful that you don't become prideful and sin in your pride. As he says there, you should fear the sword yourselves. He's, he's highlighting the fact that they are doing something that is wrong. They are doing something that's sinful. And he says, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword. And then 
you will know that there is judgment. And so Job really, he's saying, well, if what you are saying is true, then you need to practice what you preach. Be careful, because if what you what you're saying is true, and I am suffering because of my sin, and you're hunting for my sin, don't become prideful in thinking that there is no sin in you. Because at the end of the day, uh, God will ultimately judge. And if he finds you guilty, you will be judged harshly. You will meet the sword, is the picture that is painted for us. So, you see the tension between the beginning and the end there, how he's built and how he's used the argument to work through it. As he says, and I just want to read that again in verse 5. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me. And that he leads all the way to the end here, where he says, you should then fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword. That seems to almost be the concluding thought to that statement up front there. And then he says, and then you will know that there is judgment. So there's a warning. Uh, can you believe it? That actually Job is he's able to defend himself, even though he is in a, in a terrible place and are in a difficult position. He's still able to almost say such strong things. Uh, and yet he has right to from the position that he's in. There's a level of, as he has said, he's, he's humiliated, but he's also humble. He's humbled in the position he is. The world looks at him and sees humiliation. But in the same breath, uh, under God, he is humbled. And because of that, he has grounds to say, I've got nowhere else to go. Uh, but I do know who I serve. And I know who God is. And you're going to see just why he has that level of confidence. Let's turn to verse 25 to 27. And, and for me, I'm so excited about this verse because it's so incredible it's it's out of place almost in job and listen to these words that he says i know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh i will see god i myself will see him with my own eyes, I, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. That Job is, at the end of this chapter, basically, he is looking at his situation, and he says, out of all of this, all this reality, all this hardship, all this struggle, all the pain that I'm facing, all the estrangement, abandonment, rejection, dis disgust that people have in me. I know one thing. That my Redeemer lives. My Vindicator lives. The one that can truly save me, He lives. And that in the end, He will stand on the earth. He says, perhaps in a slightly different translation, he will stand on my grave. <laughs> Depends how you want to interpret that. And then he says, and after my skin has been destroyed, he says, yet, or after I wake, in my flesh, I will see God. 
mean, this is beautiful image that is painted there. And then verse 27, I myself will see him. And then maybe it sounds a bit strange the way it's phrased. He says, with my own eyes, I, and not another. And basically what he's, he's explaining is, someone won't witness this to me. He's saying, me, me, I will see God. I will see him. And I love that last line, how my heart yearns within me. At the pit, at the bottom of his humiliation, at the bottom of all that is happening to him in his life, he is looking to God. And his greatest yearning, his heart's yearning, is that he will see God one day face to face. I mean, this is bizarre because you would imagine that through all of the things that Job has said, he gets to a point where he's he's tired, he can't carry on, he's he, he just wants to give up. But yet you hear this where he says, My my greatest, my my heart yearns within me that he would see God. And that his redeemer would be there. This is what Job longs for. This is the yearning of his heart. And I don't really need to say much more on that because today we see that, what Job is saying there, fulfilled so much more in the good news of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Job uses this language to paint the message of what it looks like when Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, calls us home and that we will get to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. I mean, isn't that a beautiful picture that gets painted there? That is a good news picture. That is the good news of Job right there, but that is the good news of Jesus Christ for us today. And I encourage you, Read through this passage again, Job 19, and maybe you can relate to Job, where you feel that the enemy is encroaching around you, hardship, difficulty, sickness, whatever it is. Maybe you feel estranged to people, particularly now, if you're still uh, under uh, strict lockdown. Um, Or maybe you can say what Job says, as he says in verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that's enough. That is enough. So may you be encouraged today. May you wrestle with this. May you shout and yearn along with Job. My Redeemer lives. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye.